Support for today's show comes from The Black Witch by Lori Forrest, a must-read epic fantasy set in a rich and immersive magical world that will suck you in completely. With a diverse cast of awesome, complex characters, this book is perfect for fans of Harry Potter and Tamara Pierce. Powerful magic, a deadly legacy, and a world on the edge of war. The Black Witch by Lori Forrest, available now wherever books and audiobooks are sold. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Grace Helbig. Hi, Grace Helbig. I'm Jack Ferry. And this is Not Too Deep. I'm literally just turning into a radio DJ personality. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> I I'm I like it for maybe one more minute and then it... Can it, I be it, like the mad dog? I'd be like, this is Grace Helbig and the Mad Dog Show. Yeah. Beep, bop, bop, bop. Today's a very exciting episode. As always, we have this sweet, lovely, and oh-so-funny Jamie Lee... Uh, coming up for you. But before that, talking about sweet and lovely and mm. oh so funny. Mm. Jack, you've been shopping like crazy. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but we've recorded a few episodes today. And yeah. every time I turn around, Jack's got a new jacket on. He's <laughs> going off about this new shirt style that he found that he bought like 10 of that he loves. Yeah. I uh, I went on a bit of a spring shopping spree with Mitchell Davis. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine what it sounds like when you two boys get together and just romp. You go on a fashion romp. <laughs> we really did. It's really funny. Yeah. So we were both like feeling blue. And I was like, <laughs> let's like, let's just go shopping. Meet, oh, my God. Meet me down in Abbott Kinney. So we went to Cue the montage. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. It was like. Did a book, book. Yeah. Makeover, 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 yeah. <laughs> makeover. We're just like skipping pinky to pinky down Abbot Kinney Boulevard. Uh-huh. Um, and uh yeah, I um I bought two leather jackets. It, they look great. <laughs> Thank you. How do you describe your style at this current moment? It, to me, you're who's the guy on Mad Men that you love? Sterling. Yes. Roger Sterling. Roger Sterling. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is Roger Sterling if he got queer eyed (laughs) is what your style is going through right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to go um, sort of uh, appropriately hip for someone my age. You're also, yeah, you got a little spring. You're wearing cherry blossoms on a a short sleeve button down. I am. I feel like it's very Hannah Hart in a way. Oh, yeah. It's got kind of a Japanese flair to it, this shirt. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I bought like. So there's a company called Seven Diamonds that makes these. Uh, yeah, shorts. manifest that brand deal. Yeah, why not? They're, that makes these uh, short sleeve button down shirts that always look good on me. So I bought. I was like, I went to the store and I found like six of them. I was just like, just buy them all. Yeah, whatever. So yeah, we went on this like day long shopping spree. And Mitchell had never been to like the menswear district on La Brea. Are you familiar with this? No, but I am. Oh, on La Brea, it's maybe. like where like American made. Yes. Or, um, See, I still Ameri- no, it's American rag and yes. shot NYC, like all of these like menswear like boutiques. Yeah. And he was just like blown away, completely blown. And like one of the places, too, is like really crazy. It's like this vintage like uh, rock and roll t-shirts shop oh, and they have cool. like the old like um ner- like black nirvana t-shirt with yeah. like the yellow smiley face guess how much that cost i'm gonna say three hundred dollars three hundred and fifty dollars that's this same thing happened to me <laughs> brooks and i went out in eagle rock and you know he loves records he's like vintage shopping i'm like a goddamn target girl all day that i never venture out into boutiques so i was like sure yeah i'll go we'll do we'll do you today mm-hmm. and so we go into a bunch of vintage shops and i like I'm like, oh, cool, cool T-shirts. Maybe I should get some stuff. They're all like three hundred, two hundred dollars. I was yeah, like, it's this is stupid. No it's not offense. really thrift shopping. It's like boutique shopping of places this, that like, got rated thrift shops. Right, but it's a place that 
presents itself like a thrift store, like literally could have been like a Goodwill. That, oh, wow. This is not that place. Yeah. That that's we what was to. blowing me away that yeah. I was like, it's not even presented like it's got a high end quality to it at yeah. all. I mean, there's this one store we went to where it literally has a wall of axes on the. On oh, the, that sounds great. And, and like was Mitch, Jarrett Sleeper just next to it? Oh, and it, but it's but like Mitchell the whole time he was just like screaming. He's just like he's just like it's Wes Anderson. It's just like Wes Anderson manifested a shop. Oh, wait. Everything. The kid in this that place. made his own DIY twig art piece in his corner <laughs> yes. loved the wall of axes. I know. I'm shocked. It's so funny. Yeah. I mean, this like that was that was the big thing was just him screaming <laughs> about the influence of Wes Anderson. I mean, all these shops. it's right up his alley. What's one fashion trend you haven't that you haven't dared to try yet, but is on your radar? I mean, the thing that's like really big right now in menswear is like uh designers that are like embracing like a looser drape mm. so like clothes are baggier like people are wearing okay. like baggy clothes with like a short hem and like i dig that but i just my body type doesn't look good in that stuff okay. and like i wish i could wear like pleated pants with like a really wide bottom but like right 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 i just look stupid like i look like the cartoon character doug yeah when i put those when i put that's that fair, on that's fair and i just like i'm like i just can't rock that look like i just look better with uh fitted clothes yeah um but like i kind of dig some of what's going on like i think it's cool that like you can like wear a tuxedo jacket and a t-shirt with jeans yeah. and like go out and like that's just like totally acceptable now um I, i'm digging like the the like the new like wider peak lapels that you see on men's suits mm-hmm. like i'm embracing like you know like but I, I don't think i'm gonna go as far as like like they're really bringing trying to bring back like 90s like oversized like suits with like the shoulder pads and everything oh, like that yeah yeah i'm just like i just I look so stupid and like I can barely rock a members only jacket that I can't I can't go that far. <laughs> yeah, I would pump the brakes. I mean, as your friend, I'd be like, go return that. What are you doing? Yeah, I just can't. I just but me. But meanwhile, you know, I also have like a serious leather jacket addiction. Yeah, you do. How many do you have now? Now I have five. I have five, five leather jackets. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one for every weekday. So, <laughs> yeah. You do it's a it's a collection. Yeah. You're building out your collection. They are, it is a collection. I love them so much. It's not an addiction if you just call it a collection. That's true. And also, like I am, uh, I'm learning to uh, ride a motorcycle. So you're just, you're playing the part. It's appropriate for yeah. you're fitting the role. I'm like I guess like one of my uh, sort of style uh, heroes mm-hmm. is Justin Thoreau. Oh yeah, he's he's got effortless style. Effortless, yeah. And yeah. and one of the things that I like about it is like he can when he wears a suit, he looks like a fucking rock star. Yeah. But he can also look like he's in like a motorcycle gang, but like a really cool like hip one that probably like respects women. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a feminist motorcycle. Yeah, gang. which yeah. I'm into. And I'm just sort of like, and so I just really dig that. I'm like really getting into more of of that sort of style of stuff. Cool. Um, and so I was just like, you know. I've always been fascinated with motorcycles. I've just been like afraid to try it. Yeah. And then I was just like, you know what? I just need to live my life without fear. And Have I love looked- riding my bike, like my my regular bicycle. And right. I'm like, all right, enough is enough. I need to learn. And we've been talking about you and this motorcycle thing. Are you yeah. putting a time frame on getting one? When will we start hearing the stories? Well, of, I've got to pass. My- I just <laughs> I pass so much traffic. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm. You got to get your license. Right? I got to get my license. Yeah. So I'm like studying the the booklet first and then mm-hmm. I've, I'm signing up for classes at like the whatever the motorcycle academy yeah, yeah. is. And then uh, that you get certified and then you get your license. And once you get your license, then I'm, I got my eyes set on like a, like a vintage like Honda. 
Nothing too big to start out with. I can just picture you and... A little cafe racer. You and Mitchell motorcycle shopping together. <laughs> just <laughs> matching leather jackets. Yeah. Adorable. I, mean, I get, yeah, I get Mitchell like a little sidecar. Oh, it'd be perfect. Get a little helmet with like, some goggles. Oh, <laughs> God. That's his look. That's his 2K18 look. Yeah, how perfect would that be? He'd look like a little Amelia Earhart. <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. so cute. Yeah, I'm sure he would do it, too. He'd be like, I'm just going to ride in your sidecar, Jack. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, get ready for the Grams, people. (laughs) We're manifesting this. Yeah. Well, I think it's always good. You know, they say spring cleaning, you know, with your house, your home, and maybe yourself, too, is always a good thing. Yeah, I just want to give it a little refresh. Yeah, I need to do that. Um, Hannah always talks about in the beginning of the year, like, what's her look this year? Uh And she usually doesn't figure out until, like, December of the year, (laughs) um, if at all. So I do think it's good to be like, reevaluate and say how can i refresh this yeah i'm i'm trying to, uh, similar to what she has done in years past i'm kind of building off of what i did last year i'm just trying to add some just more like edgier elements Zhuzh. into my into my look so there i'm like you go. starting to wear a little more jewelry things like that things okay. that i used to be like afraid to try before now i'm just sort of like fuck it yeah. feels good i'm going to wear what feels good do it up yeah. um and speaking of you know feel good vibes yeah we got a girl that exudes that all damn day, Jamie Lee, coming right. up on Not Too Deep right after this. Not, not too deep. With Grace Heidbeck. This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by our good buddies at ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying the right people see it. See, ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. They learn what you're looking for, identify people with the right experience, and invite them to apply for your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash grace. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-A-C-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash grace. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Not, not too deep. Guess what, Jack? What's up, Grace? Support for today's show comes from Freshly. Oh, good. Those are the people that make the food that I don't have to cook. Exactly. <laughs> I know you. You're tired of spending hours trying to make dinner, trying to master those meal kits. Yep. So don't worry. Freshly is the new way to get dinner on the table in no time. Excellent. Look, they have their chefs cook and deliver delicious, freshly prepared meals so you can eat healthier without any of the work. And each meal is made to order just for you. And if you think, oh, you know, there's going to be slim pickings. Nuh-uh. They got more than 30 options. So there's always something new to try. Mm. And better yet, freshly chefs and nutritionists make sure that every meal is all natural, nutritious and made with high quality ingredients. So you can come home from a long day of podcasting and still have a delicious chef cooked meal waiting just for you. Sounds excellent. But mm-hmm. give me an example of the kind of meals they offer. Okay, Grace. let's say I wouldn't have any way to relate to this, but let's say in a hypothetical world, you're really hungover and you want some comfort food. Mm, okay. They got some homestyle meatloaf with cauliflower mash. Okay, meatloaf for me. Not only an amazing musician, but a great meal <laughs> when you are wildly hungover. It's like the ultimate comfort food. And Freshly's version 
tastes like homemade and comes with creamy cauliflower mash. So it's a little bit better for you. You don't even miss the potatoes. Mm. They have, I mean, that's just an example. They have tons and tons of other options to choose from. So order freshly today and see what it's like to put zero effort into making dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Grace to get $20 off your first six dinners. That's $20 off plus free shipping at Freshly.com slash Grace. Oh, we're here with Jamie Lee. Hello. This is so exciting. This Um, is great. We're talking about her dog, Dennis. Uh, Her Labradoodle. Her Labradoodle. (laughs) It was adorable. He's really cute. Have you formed that bond where you think he understands you? That you're like, my dog probably like understands me. Yeah, I I definitely feel like we have a connection. Um, I I try to make a lot of eye contact. (laughs) And I also, my husband, like he's very affectionate with the dog, but he won't say the words I love you. And I'm like, no, like we have to work (laughs) on his verbal communication. Like you have to say it. He knows what it means. Like he needs to hear it. What if that's one of his love languages like you're not <laughs> taking into account how he feels well, why <laughs> maybe i'm projecting <laughs> i'm probably not but maybe i'm not dennis i swear but maybe he needs it um also maybe you could like buy him some diamonds i'm just saying <laughs> thank you seems like a pretty blingy dog have you taken the love languages test I haven't, but I feel like I know them just from them coming up in conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've done all those tests. I've done like the Myers-Briggs personality tests. I've done like all of it to cross-examine and like really get to know myself. But the love language <laughs> one is so fascinating. I always find it so interesting to try and guess other people's love languages. And then when you're so off, you're like, ugh. I forget. I, I always feel like, where, well, what are yours? Mine, they've actually, it's weird too because they change too over mm-hmm. time. When I first took it, um, it was acts of service mm-hmm. and words of affirmation. And then I took it again and it was like quality time. And I think words of affirmation, like someone yeah. just saying nice things. Sure. Yeah, great. words of affirmation. I'm always Across surprised when that's not somebody's. I'm like, don't like you like hearing <laughs> good stuff. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> some people, some people. No get, judgment. No get, judgment. No, I think some people it's, don't actually. They don't yeah, want, I guess they don't. It doesn't like do I it grew for up them. In a, I grew up in a family that was not very like verbally affectionate. Yeah. And so yeah. that was very rare. Um, and so now, it's of course, innate in you. Now, of course, that's something that I crave. Because right. for me, it's uh, words of affirmation and physical touch, which are like oh, the two yeah. things I didn't get from my very like white Catholic family. Right. Oh, interesting. That's so now you want you want what wasn't there. What yeah. was versus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus like, I think, whereas my brother was very comfortable with that. And so I think he's, I'm not that he's like really cold or standoffish or whatever like that, but I don't think he like, like craves it as much as I do. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how know. much of that is like from your childhood or not and how much of it's like just ingrained in what you want. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think it's really fluid. I mean, yeah. it, it changes like based on relationships and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's true too. Um, But speaking of your husband, you got married last year? The year we before? got married almost two years ago. Two years ago. But yeah. you guys have been together like forever. We've been together for like eight years. And wow. how yeah. did you meet each other originally? <laughs> um, Well, we actually <laughs> met on a podcast. Really? Whoa. Yeah. We <laughs> were on this podcast where I was being interviewed. I was just like a guest on the podcast, but uh-huh. then he came on in character. <laughs> so when I met him, he was just like this really big um, sort of like stereotypical Italian uh, character named Giovanni Domingo. And he was selling 
a, a product called Protein Roids. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> did you like, know? It was kind of like a meathead. I honestly don't remember the name of it. I don't think it exists anymore. But okay. I'd be curious if anyone could find the moment that the you moment met. The moment we met. Yeah, he, we met when he was not him. Did you, wow. did you, you know he was doing a character? I, I knew he was going to be uh, coming on in character, but he arrived to the podcast late. So we didn't okay. have any pre-chat. There was oh, no wow. like, so he just came in hey, hot. this is the real me. Yeah. I just met him as Giovanni Domingo. Um, Amazing. And then afterwards, I realized that his real personality was not far off <laughs> from the character. You're like, I was like, you kind of are like this Long Island meathead. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was You're pretty like, funny. It's easy for you to slip into character. Quote yeah, unquote. exactly. Quote unquote. Um, but so you got married, but you wrote a book about weddings. I did. I wrote a book called Wediculous. Yeah. An Unfiltered Guide to Being a Bride. And and it, I actually was writing it as I was getting married. Which, so fun stress to add it, to planning a wedding. It was stressful and cathartic. Really? It was like, yeah, it was actually kind of like the perfect type of stress uh -huh. because I had to focus on that. So I could like take all the stress I was feeling from the wedding and then like write about it, make it funny. Yeah. And like it kind of took my mind away from all the sort of annoying wedding minutiae. It's like a wedding diary. It was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also I just felt like when I was writing it, nobody was there were no books that were kind of like funny and honest about yeah. getting married and how hard it can be and. I was just like, oh, I feel like we just need to call this stuff out. I think that's super important because there's all those shows that glorify it, like Say Yes to the Dress and like all of those like, um, what is it, Four Weddings, that weird yeah. TLC show. That yeah. concept for a show is bonkers. Uh, but there's nothing that's like calling it as you see it kind of thing. Right. And like, I love those shows. Same. I mean, like, oh, yeah. I mean, they're just they're such brain candy. You they're could addictive. watch a million in a row and you'd be like, get me more. Yeah. But um, but I think it's nice to have like sort of the fun celebration vibe of those shows mixed with like a little bit of reality and like poking fun because there's totally. so much to laugh at. It's such a giant industry. And I think probably being a comedian going into it, there's still stress levels that you don't even anticipate yeah. that are just so absurd. Yeah, it's funny because like I would hear other people who are getting married like before I was engaged, I would hear people complain about like, oh, get ready. Like mm -hmm. families are going to fight and people are going to be upset and there's going to be all this drama. And I was always like, oh, that won't happen to me because I just don't care that much. Sure. And then all of it times 10 happened to me. <laughs> oh, wow. It was like the really? biggest slap across the face. I was like, whoa, I had no idea what I was in for. Where did you get married? Um, I got married in Park, California. Okay. At this kind of like outdoor botanical garden. Cool. And uh, yeah, it was really pretty. We almost got married in New York, um, but it got a little complicated because my husband's family, they're all there and they were very like hands on with our wedding because it was close to them. And then I started gotcha. to be like, wait, but it's our wedding. Yeah. But we're so far away that we don't really have the time or yeah. the ability to control it at all. Right. And so then we were like, let's just move it closer. Like, let's just do it near us to make our yeah. lives easier. At the end of Makes the day, sense. it's for yeah. you. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you also start to realize like, if you are, if you decide to plan a wedding, it is nice to like, go for it like yeah it, it, it is it can be really fun and like it is sort of a reflection of you and yeah. like how you want a party to feel and it really is just like it's event a party. planning it's event planning yeah. yeah how how big was it how did it go 
Was it, it, a gr- it ended up being great. It was like 125 people, so okay. it wasn't too big. Yeah, that seems manageable. But it was still, manageable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was just so much goofiness. Like yeah. our wedding planner. I mean, I I don't know. She just like <laughs> she like didn't know I was a bride. Like on the day of, she texted me. She didn't even text with like a, a preface of like, "Hey, happy wedding day." She just texted, "Hey, you should find an auxiliary cord, otherwise you won't be able to play songs on your on your phone." What? And I was like. <laughs> Ew, like what wow. is happening? What a good vibe for the day. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so clinical and demanding. And I was like, all right, well, I guess Jeez. the whole like I'm a princess philosophy <laughs> is out the window now. <laughs> I'm like barely even a servant. I'm That's, just like <laughs> wow. I'm just getting these like trash texts. And also just like things that I would imagine would be her job to yeah, get the auxiliary think. cord. And yeah, things and like also that. like I'm, I definitely had other people she could have contacted about yeah. it, but she just went straight for me. And Amazing. It was kind of great. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, this really keeps me grounded. It's just another day. I'm getting a text about a cord. Like, That's so funny. Yeah, like I'm still on Earth. That, I'm not yeah. floating above. I'm here. <laughs> I'm just here. <laughs> That's so funny. Is there one like major takeaway in the book that you learned that you wrote about? In the whole process of it? Um, well, I think one thing I, I realized was that you try to curate all of these special moments. Right. Like throughout your whole wedding weekend, if you decide to do like a rehearsal dinner the night before or whatever, you're kind of curating all of these like special events and moments that you're like, oh, it's going to be so special when like when like you you hear, you know, when your father gives a speech, like that's yeah. going to be the pinnacle of emotion and those are really great and those I'm not I'm not discounting that but also some of the best moments are like the tiniest little things that you couldn't imagine like mm-hmm. I remember one of my friends who's not even like a-list friend sure. I'm talking like C or D list <laughs> I ran into her in the lobby and then we just like walked to Target just to like get away from it all it was like, like in your wedding dress I, it was not okay I wish that were the story <laughs> no this was like the day before and there was just like an hour or two to kill and yeah. I ran into her and I was like let's just like walk to Target it's right across the parking lot and we just like walked around in Target and yeah. I was like that's one of my favorite memories like Aww. from my whole wow. experience yeah so I think it's kind of just knowing that like it's the little things mm-hmm. between the lines that, yeah. that sort of fill it in. And ma- I I imagine it's a lot about managing your own expectations of things. Yes. And yes. also having to manage a billion other people's expectations of things. Yeah. And also, like, if you think about, like, the best weddings you've been to, it's always like there's an X factor that mm-hmm. makes it the best wedding. It's not because it was the most expensive right. or the most glamorous. In fact, like, usually when like the nicer, quote unquote, the wedding, the sort of stuffier it can yes. feel. Yes, yes, And yes. I think it's about just reminding people like, hey, we're happy to have you. How can we take care of you and like make you feel warm and welcome? Yeah, you're throwing a party and you guys are the hosts in a way. Yeah. And it must make you, does it, well, does it make you look at weddings when you go to them as guests now differently? Yes. It also has given me, it's, it's done both. I think I'm more critical and I'm simultaneously so much less judgmental, so much more like, I get it. I understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. But you'll notice things that people normally probably wouldn't notice just because you lived it. Yeah. I mean, food is a really big one. I, Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people arrive to weddings starving. Yeah. And they can't even enjoy themselves fully because they're so hangry. Yeah. So true. anything you can do to squash that, like if you can put out like 
cliff bars. I didn't do this, by the way. I'm totally just like blue skying options. You're getting a hot tip. Yeah, just a just a hot tip that I didn't do myself. Um, but yeah, I think like any kind of just like snacking you can provide just sets a mm-hmm. tone of like we care. Yeah. No, that totally I mean <laughs> just it's, give them like trail mix. It's small thinking while about they're, while like, they're watching you. What would you want if you're at the airport? <laughs> yeah. What do you need right now? Um you were on Girl Code for like ever. That I feel like that show is it still on? It's not. No, I don't think so, but no. I feel like that show it was might on. Still be on Snapchat, but I'm not 100 percent sure. That's wow. But you were on for how how long? I was on for the whole time. Um, yeah, I think it had five seasons on MTV, and then it moved over to MTV Two for like two seasons. Don't quote me on that, but I think that was what happened. It's very cool. How was that process? Um, it was great. Yeah, I don't even think I realized at the time how important the show was yeah like just it the really idea, it, right it really was it was like funny real women talking about things that you don't that you talk about with your girlfriends but you don't hear from a lot of people sometimes or at least growing up when you're an impressionable teenager like just hearing these things and being like yeah that's interesting I loved it yeah, yeah and also I think like it's funny because I like I have a background in stand-up so I was like oh this is like a cool thing where I can like kind of just like share my POV. You know, I have an audience now, which is so cool. I didn't have that really before. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and then you would start to hear feedback. And a lot of people were like, oh, I didn't have this kind of show when I was growing up. And I was like, oh, wait, neither did I. Yeah. And then you realize like this most simple concept of just like funny, smart, cool women, like kind of just saying how they feel is in itself just like kind of a revolution. (laughs) Yeah. And it was great because it wasn't overly produced. It felt like, I mean, what was it that you guys just kind of got put in a room and then you were prompted with questions and you just got to answer honestly? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, in that first season, I was so like happy to be there and also just like nervous and anxious. So I did a lot of homework. Like (laughs) I would set up like the night before I would just stay up like writing jokes for each prompt they gave us. Like I did so much work. I didn't use any of the jokes. They all went out the window. Oh, because they would send you like stuff already written. Yeah. Or like I would just riff something that Mm -hmm. was just so much more more like genuine than True. anything I could have pre-written. So then as the seasons went on, I think you just kind of like sit down in the chair and they start interviewing you and you just kind of talk it out. It's great. It was just such a pure show. It was so fun. I loved yeah. it. Oh, so you I love that you so, loved it. So you yeah. lived in New York then? Because that was I that did. Was, that was there, right? Yeah, it was based in New York. And then when I first moved out here, they would fly us back to do episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And did you guys tour with that? Did you go out? A little bit, yeah. yeah. We, we toured mostly colleges. There were some club dates also, but it was it was a lot of like, yeah, the, I think MTV put together an official like girl code, guy code tour. Gotcha. Yeah. and But you also do your own touring like as a stand-up. And yeah. is yeah. that something that you enjoy? Because I talked to a lot of stand-ups and they, you, a lot of people hate it very sure. much. Sure. <laughs> oh, that's very fair. Yeah. yeah. I think that it can be great and also the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it can be really great. Like once you're on stage, you don't really care about the just sort of like, you know, being in a hotel off right. a highway. Like a lot of the like quality of life stuff is what really makes it a bummer. Yeah. But sometimes you get to perform in cities that are so great that yeah. you get to like basically be a tourist during the day and then go do shows at night. That's great. And that's the best. Yeah. yeah. Is there a standout place that was either the worst 
that you remember or one that was like significantly like I want to go back there every time? Yeah, I would say the best maybe Minneapolis. There's a really great club um, called Acme. And oh, yeah, I've been there. Oh, really? Yeah, it's great. Brooks has performed there before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's really, it's a so fun, right? It's kind of like a UCB vibe. Yeah. Also, they have like great food at that club and they like really take care of you. Mm -hmm. And also, Minneapolis is just such a cool city. Yeah. That, um, like, I love the Mall of America. Uh, Big time. uh, It's amazing. That Rainforest Cafe is Uh, a delight. I mean, an amusement park in the center of the mall. Like, (laughs) sign me up. So, yeah. And also, Minneapolis is, like, kind of on the sly, a very amazing food town. Like, there's just a lot of great People restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. So, that would be the high. The low would be recently I was at a club in rural, like, outside of Chicago during a blizzard. Ooh. And I was just, like, I was in a hotel that looked like the Shining Hotel. <laughs> I am telling you, it was decorated. No. The carpet looked like that hallway yeah. with the kid on the tricycle. And yeah, and I and I couldn't go outside. So I was like, I think I have the shining. Like I was like, I am living in the shining. I am Jack Nicholson right now. Oh, that's horrifying. Yeah, it was horrifying. And then like I just went. So then when it was time to go to the show, it was like around the corner. Uh-huh. So the woman from the club would pick me up and then we would just drive for like three minutes. So I would just be outside being like, oh, the outside. And then right back indoors. <laughs> it was re- and I was there for like four days. I was like, oh, what man. is happening? Yeah. Were people showing up to the shows even in shocking? Sh- really? Yes. Because I mean, I guess, yeah, that's what they have. That's I what know. they want. That's what it they was, need. You know, it was a lower attendance, I think, because even where I was, I think the news scares people into being like, don't leave your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's the apocalypse now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but there were some people there and that was kind of a nice bonding experience because yeah. I was just like happy to talk to anyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, just like, need thrilled. human interaction. Yeah, <laughs> I was like human connection, please. Please. Um, let's talk about crashing. Okay. Yeah, it's so fun. And oh, yeah. You get to work with friends, which I imagine, I mean, I know for myself, it's like the goal always. How has it been? How's the process been? It's been really great. Yeah. Especially because it shoots in New York, which it's there's something just really like kind of magical about like shooting on a New York City street. I know it sounds like like a soundstage corny. That's meant to look like New York or something. Yeah. It's just like, whoa. Like that was so shocking to me. Like on our the first episode that we were filming. I remember we shut down like part of the West Village whoa. and there were like people standing around watching. And I was like, whoa, like what is life right now? Like yeah. this is crazy. That's very, very like out of body experience. It really was. Yeah. Especially because like all the shows that I not all the shows, but a lot of the shows that I love have a lot of like iconic, you know, New York moments yeah. and you know the whole thing of like New York is you know New York is a character in the show <laughs> you know he or she is part of the cast yes. and you're like it actually is kind of true yeah yeah, yeah. and so that was that was pretty thrilling it's uh, yeah and how has it been working with Pete I mean you guys have been friends forever we've been friends a long time yeah, yeah it's uh it's really great I feel like it's very it makes set it just yeah he's also like taught me a lot like just like little things about like this is so silly, but one of the episodes I got really lightheaded because I guess I wasn't like eating enough. And uh-huh. so I started eating like some almonds and he was like, yeah, like don't eat almonds that you need like sugar. Like you need to be 
eating fruit. It's going to make you feel better. And I was like, okay, whatever. You don't know. And yeah. then I ate like a piece of watermelon and I was like, I'm back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it is nice having a friend there to like help you live a better life. Yeah. Oh, that's so helpful. Yeah. He's always doing that. He did that on our show too, talking about like, He's just like, you don't want a steak. You just need fat. Have some guacamole. Yeah, oh he's very knowledgeable. God. And about all the, he was very into his hemp oil. Yeah, very He into loves it. that stuff. I yeah. tried it. It didn't do anything for me. I haven't, he, gave, he came bearing a gift of hemp oil. Yeah. And I haven't tried it. It leaked. and uh, But I keep, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but oh, no. I've still kept it thinking one day I'm going to try this. But I'm a little nervous about it. I don't know why. He talked it up like it was, like he owned yeah, like the company. It, yeah, like was it was like, like a miracle cream or something well yeah. apparently what i've heard about it is that it's funny because it's like it has a dainty little dropper yeah and so it, you're like okay i guess it's like a night serum like just yeah. three or four drops and then you use it and and i did that and then p was like no you need like like half the bottle or so, maybe it wasn't p it was someone else who's also used it they're like no you need to be taking like half the bottle i'm like then what is the dropper for yeah. like if, if the dosage is half the bottle why isn't yeah. it like a, it should come a water like, pour yeah exactly it should just come with like a spray bottle and yeah. you just like squirt it into your mouth yeah well i'm sorry that didn't work out but it <laughs> <laughs> but it seems fun uh, to be able to shoot with him like how, what's been i guess the most difficult thing working on the show well I think the most difficult thing is um it's it's what's great about it and difficult about it which is that we do improvise a lot yeah I was gonna ask like is it just loose and you guys kind of get to riff with each other yeah I would say there's a pretty good amount of riffing which usually is wonderful because then you're not stressing out so much about your lines right um but then in the finale there's like there's well, I can already I guess I can spoil it. But um, in the finale of the second season, there's like a big fight scene mm -hmm. and it was pretty it was pretty full of dialogue. And so I like really made sure to have it memorized and yeah. like know all the beats of it. And then like two hours before we filmed that scene, the director and Pete and a few other people kind of gathered around. They were like, yeah, we're not like that doesn't really end this season the way we want it to and they completely rewrote it wow. and so I was like uh, uh, what do I do like what do I do with all uh, the lines I have in my head now I have to like scramble to kind of memorize this yeah. new long chunk of dialogue um, but it ended up being really fun and um, I did realize that like improvising through the scene actually made it better yeah. I think having less of a script is what made it feel more authentic that's great yeah because you come from an improv background you were at UCB right um a little bit I did it for like mm, I did two classes but my husband is very into right. improv and so I feel like just like by being around him by osmosis I, yes exactly yeah. I'm like I think I've like picked it up a little bit maybe <laughs> hopefully uh I also saw that you and Pete are doing these ads these yeah. like retirement <laughs> yeah. ads what is that they look super fun they were really fun we shot them at South by Southwest and talk about improv that I mean the whole thing you shot them during like the festival yes during the festival um yeah it's for Fast Company and um which is John Hancock's company and yeah it's like a little web series oh fun yeah yeah it was really fun but it's basically just teaching millennials to think about retirement now versus like waiting until you're, you're older yeah yeah which is kind of great because I really don't think about that no, I'm like same. I'm gonna live forever <laughs> I'm <laughs> right? gonna live and work forever I'm gonna live and work forever but no um it is good to like start thinking about your future and not 
not thinking you're you're above a future. No, that's great. Um, did they give you guys just creative freedom to kind of do what you wanted? Kind of. They had a real loose, real loose script. Real loose script. <laughs> real loose. Here's a blank piece of paper. I mean, they pretty much just were like, yeah, in this scene, like you and Pete, like act happy and then act surprised. And we were like, cool. <laughs> and then we just ripped around it. And yeah, and they were like, great, we're moving on. Like there was never a like, wow. hey, I think we need to take that again. It was like, that was great. Let's go. Oh, I'm like, all so right. Fun. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Do you guys travel together and do a lot of press together? We did. We did for for the premiere of of season two. How yeah. was that? Um, that was really fun. I had never really done. I've done press, but I've never done like a press tour. And it yeah. really was like back to back to back. Um, so that was it was just like an interesting experience. You start to like hear yourself just saying the same things oh. over and over. And you start to almost like become detached from and you're like do I believe what I'm saying anymore right and then they print it and you're like that was what I chose to say (laughs) in that moment like it's not it doesn't even represent how I feel oh totally yeah that yeah you just look good and you click an autopilot in your brain and then when you yeah you hear it back or read it back you're like I'm boring what am I saying (laughs) what's going on well and it's also like a it's a, a tricky time for press because everything, everyone, especially if you're a woman, if you're a woman in entertainment uh, and also a woman in comedy, like people really want to know, like, how do you feel about me too? How do you feel about Time's Up? And you have so many feelings about it that trying to articulate how you feel in a moment with a a reporter who has a thing and they're recording you and yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, but you did, you wrote something for Girl Boss recently. I did. Yeah. yeah. I wrote, I wrote, um, I'm trying to write a second book and I feel like the Girl Boss essay, which was about divulging your secrets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just kind of, I want to write a book where I like expose all of my secrets and like each chapter is a, is a new secret that informs an essay. Oh, that's Cause great. I've always been kind of like closed off, I think in a lot of ways, or at least I feel like I am. I don't, I don't know if my friends would say that about me, but I've always felt like, oh, there's certain aspects of my personality. I like can't, I can't talk about cause like sure. people will judge me for it. But right. now I feel like we're in this really wonderful time, especially with like podcasts. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you want people to be like, Say what's really going on with you because it is so cathartic when you hear someone on a podcast who who says something. You're like, oh my god, I've literally always felt that way, and I felt like I could never say it. Yeah, I had that experience for the first time on Pete's podcast years ago. Actually, I didn't really do my research and figure out like what it was. I just said yes and went on it, and then he's so raw and real, even like years ago on that that I was just like this is very refreshing. And I'm the same way where I'm pretty closed off and very choosy and selective about the way I present myself. But I felt myself being way more of an open book because someone else was like giving me permission to. In yeah. a way. And it was really very nice. Yeah. And I bet people like reached out to you and they're like, oh, I love that part where yeah. fill in the blank. Like that's just such a nice just to know that people like connected to anything you said. Yeah. So how was your so important? This was a very exposing essay in a way. How was your feedback from it? Oh, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like the weird thing. In, so at the beginning of the essay, 
I I just went through a couple of like quick secrets mm-hmm. and this is very embarrassing, but whatever. I already wrote about it. So I guess I can say it again. <laughs> um, but I just talk about like quick things. And one of them was like, I masturbated on an airplane. Yeah. And then the next one was I buy $7 lattes every day. And I was mm-hmm. sure I was going to get responses to masturbating on an airplane. Literally not one. <laughs> just how can you pay $7 for a latte? Like no one even cared like, about the thing that I thought was going to be so like grotesque and salacious. revealing. Yeah. yeah. That's, no one cared. That's <laughs> so funny. People. Yeah. I mean, that's a good barometer for where we're at right now on what we think is like shocking. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, just just for clarity. It's not every single day that I pay for this latte. I just want to. <laughs> but when you get a latte. It's within reason. And it's also, with, it's also with tip. I should have clarified. OK, guys, I'm not that honest. I'm actually so dishonest. <laughs> but no, it's great. There's a lot of caveats. That's always good. It's like a test run for your book. It's, you know, the warm up laps before all the, the yeah. really revealing stuff. It was stuff. a warm up. It was a warm up for sure. Um, that's amazing. Well, we have we're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we have some Twitter questions for you that will maybe open up an even deeper side of you. We'll see. We'll be right back with Jamie Lee on Not Too Deep right after this. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Oh, I like these guys. Right? I mean, I can't imagine fitting anything else into a busy schedule as is. But with Talkspace, therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message. You can get something off your chest whenever you need to. So you can just like text them like penis envy, LOL. I mean, hypothetically, yes, (laughs) but I mean, you'd have to experiment for yourself. You can talk about everyday challenges if that is one of them for you (laughs) at work or at home, or you can just chat about life and there is no extra commute. You don't have to leave your office or your home and there is no judgments which is a major, major thing. And all you need is a computer with internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app, and you can improve your mental health. And all kidding aside, uh, obviously therapy is more than just venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It's also about practical everyday strategies for stress management and living a happier life. And in the simplest terms, having a therapist simply provides you a designated person to talk to who is trained to listen and help you make positive changes. And the Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges that we all face. So to match with the perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com slash Grace and use the code Grace, J-R-A-C-E, to get $45 off your first month and show support for our show. That's Grace and Talkspace.com slash Grace. Not, not too deep. This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Care Of. Guys, Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be hard to get all the nutrients your body needs for long-term health. Well, Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients that are personally tailored to your exact needs. They have a short online quiz which asks about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices, and it makes it really easy to figure out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need in just a few minutes. No more worrying about replacing multiple bottles when you run out because your subscription box includes a 30-day supply of individually wrapped packets for easy grab-and-go, all for about 20% less than similar brands at local drug and health food stores. And let me tell you guys, this quiz is actually kind of fun. It only takes a couple minutes, and it's, like, awesome to know that, like, you're getting, like, 
the tailored supplements and like nutrients and vitamins that you need based on like how you answer this stuff. So I thought it was pretty cool. And quite frankly, the individually wrapped packets uh, are like super convenient and not having to buy like these like giant bottles of like multiple vitamins is just like, I don't know. It's really cool. Plus if you can save 20%, why not? You know what I mean? And for you guys, you can save even more because you can get 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins by visiting takecareof.com and entering offer code GRACE. That's takecareof.com and enter GRACE for 25% off your first month of personalized vitamins. Oh, we're set. Uh, we're back with Jamie Lee. And before we get into our Twitter questions, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that's on the podcast. And the first one is, who, alive or dead, would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? Mm. It's a very serious okay. question. Alive or dead, I'm going to go with Kelly Ripa. Ooh. Okay. But yeah. like in a fun way where she throws it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Cal. Uh, that's so... Would you ever host a morning show like that? I think I would love it. Yeah. I yeah. was going to say, I think you'd be really good at Thank it. Thank you for saying that, Grace. <laughs> that really tickles my heart. God. Yeah. I think I would love it. <laughs> Put it on the to-do list. Okay. See what happens. I think we just created a vision board for yeah, me. Yeah. There we go. Um, okay. The other question I ask every guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story Ooh. or close call, but only you can only use three words or three small phrases. Okay. So mine is college jogging front lawn. Great. Okay. Um, Prius. Oh. <laughs> convenience store laundromat. Oh. Have to do some, it's a, some, a little bit of mental math there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but those were the components. Whoa. Wow. Well, that is beautiful. A beautiful journey. <laughs> it's really, really like a haiku. A haiku. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you we will. go. Um, okay, let's get into these Twitter questions. Uh, Mirror84 says, what's the best blooper from Girl Code, Guy Code? And how was your book writing experience? Oh, um, best blooper. Oh, okay. Best blooper. It was this thing that did not make it in. You're about to find out why. Uh-oh. But no, it was, uh, I did this rant. I remember where... I just talked about, I think the topic was like hooking up with a guy for the first time. Okay. Or girl. Uh, hooking up for the first time. And I had this, I just talked about how I was like terrified of dicks. <laughs> and I can say dicks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought, I, that's what I thought. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like terrified of dicks. And I kind of went into this like like rant where I pretended to be a comedian who who had a catchphrase I don't want to touch your dick and so I would like be like doing my stand up about the dick and then I'd be like and the point is I don't want to touch your dick and I kept saying it over and over again and it like killed in the room we were all dying laughing uh, and then of course like not even a second of it made it into the show but it went on for like 20 minutes it derailed us so hard and then uh, yeah can you get that footage and put it on your reel I know I'm like it's got to be somewhere. It lives somewhere. Yeah. Um, and the book writing experience was tedious, but ultimately rewarding. That's fair. Well, uh, I did have a question um, that I meant to ask earlier, just in terms of stand up. How did you get into the world of stand up? How did that start? Um, I think I always knew I wanted to do it, but I don't think I really had. I just didn't know how you 
started. Right. I grew up in Texas. I didn't know anyone who was a comedian. I definitely watched comedy on TV, but there was never like a roadmap of like, cool, Uh, if you want to get there, do these things to get there. Right. There's no how to book. No, it's really just like, maybe you should like go into acting or like, you know, like theaters everywhere, but stand up is not something that's like really discussed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I figured it out, um, after college, I was working at Comedy Central and watching a bunch of stand up, and that was kind of my aha moment was oh. like, oh, I clearly have been like circling around this thing. So I'm in a job related to comedy, but it's not comedy. Now I'm watching comedy all the time. It felt pretty like serendipitous. Yeah. What did you do at Comedy Central? I was actually in their, um, PR department. I was an assistant. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, that's so interesting. So you got to see it kind of from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a, it was, I think it, it was good because it kind of got me to figure out what I wanted to do, but Mm -hmm. I wish that I had sort of known how sooner. Sure. How long did you work there before you decided to just pursue comedy? I think I was there for almost four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was there for like four years, but I was doing stand up at night, which was also like really tricky. Yeah. It started to kind of feel like, yeah, it was just difficult because I was like, oh, I want to be on the other side, but I also like want to do a good job, but it's also hard because you're like tired from doing shows at night. Like, oh yeah, it was a rough, it was rough. It's kind of a weird double life that all fits into one life. Exactly. Was there like a breaking moment or an aha moment? They're like, I'm going to quit. Yeah, I think I think it was a, a couple of things. I think that it was seeing that people around me who are my age had like part time jobs and mm-hmm. just had like cheaper apartments and yeah. sort of were making these sacrifices as an artist. And I had this conversation with my manager, who is still my manager, um, who was just like, "You can always go back to doing publicity at some point if you hmm. if that's really like what you want to be doing, but like you should just kind of throw yourself into this right now and." Um, that was a really encouraging chat. And then yeah. um, I think I ended up quitting my job pretty soon after that. And I became a part-time nanny and was insanely destitute. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if this is like what being an artist is supposed to feel like, but this is hell. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, it was a great experience. I just, it was really hard. Jeez. It was really hard. But also everyone was going through it. Like everyone who wants to be in stand-up, it's like mm-hmm. you're choosing to suffer. Yeah. You're I, choosing this path. Exactly. You're, it's your choice. And also I think it gives you an appreciation for moments of like winning. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Anything that uh, any accomplishment that comes along, you're that much more grateful for this, like this feeling. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think that it is nice to kind of like see rock bottom (laughs) because then, you know, you're not at it when you're not at it. It gives you perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I Uh, think that that gets talked about all the time in stand up, though, is like you're 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 like signing up to just like eat shit at first yeah. right yeah yeah i don't even how do you get through that i don't know i think you know i think it's different if you kind of move to new york thinking like okay i'm going to start pursuing stand up and i'm going to have a a part time job or some kind of job that's just like you know something to pay the bills like yeah. i guess i had i mean not that my job was like insanely like lucrative it wasn't i was a, an assistant but at least there was like a stability to it right. just in terms of hours and like I can always go back to this thing and mm-hmm. I go there every day. So I think for me, it, it was it wasn't just a financial adjustment. It was also just a lifestyle adjustment 
of like, oh, I don't have to be anywhere right now. Yeah. I can wake up at any time. No one's keeping tabs on me. And that at first can feel really lonely. Mm-hmm. But then once you sort of navigate how to have a schedule on your own, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. This can be a full-time job yeah. for sure. Once you get that self-motivation going. Yeah. I think that was the, the biggest hurdle for me. Um, I am Jesse Jones. And to know, how did the Activia sponsorship come about? <laughs> huh. Oh. Oh. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Do you get that all the time? Strangely, no. Really? Yeah. I'm almost surprised that I don't get it more. I used to have a joke about how I shared a name with her. Um, but your last I, name is Lee. My last name is Lee. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a full share. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and then Jamie Lee. It just ends. I thought about going as Jamie Amanda Lee just to like <laughs> break it up. Yeah, a little just bit. break it up a little bit. And then again, chat with the managers. They were like, it's fine. Like, don't <laughs> don't overthink it. I think they just hate my middle name. <laughs> I was like, all right, that feels like a dig. They're like, yeah. yikes. No. Ugh, any other middle name, but good. <laughs> Um, okay. Cassidy Ma wants to know what was your worst stand-up experience? Or is this the kind of thing that you repress deep down? Um, I don't think it's, I I think you, I think it's hard to repress it because it's right there. Um, but no, I had two that were pretty bad just in that I went up after, um, I went up after someone who had been doing it a lot less time than I had and they Uh just like crushed and I, did not. And uh, I think that 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 happened on two separate occasions. They're very, very visceral and vivid. And they were almost the exact same experience, just with two different comedians. And really? Yeah. And that was like really devastating. Was it in New York? It was um, one was in New York. One was in L.A. Uh, so coast to coast, coast to coast, baby. <laughs> yeah, really, uh, really spreading the insecurity throughout the country. So then, how do you cope when that happens? Um, it's gonna happen. Anybody who pursues stand up is it's gonna happen. I've never so, done stand up, and it terrifies the fuck out of me. I don't uh, think I have the masochistic bone to do it. Yeah, I, 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 I think, understand that. I don't think I have the bounce back of a situation like that. I, to I be don't like, know that I do either. That's why I'm asking. Like, how yeah. do you cope? I think the way you cope is um, you allow yourself to like feel bad, but then you realize that you have to remember that like you have also done well before. Like it's really hard because you're, I mean, they always say like you're only as good as your last set. Yeah. But I think that you have to remember like, well, you, you clearly are doing this because you're good at it. Otherwise you wouldn't have been doing it for so long. Like you wouldn't just keep encouraging yourself to go on with it if you didn't have any benefits from it. True. true so true. I think you just have to remember those moments, like dig and be like, okay, yeah. but yes, I did bad tonight, but like think of all the times that I really did great. Yeah. And then try to hang on to those as much as possible. <laughs> Desperately hold on yeah, to them. Cling to them, <laughs> squeeze them. As hard as possible. Have you ever had a terrible like heckling experience that stands out? Um, not really. I feel like everyone has heckling stories. I usually like I, I I haven't had anyone just like boo me or anything yeah. like that, but I have had people. Oh wait, that's not. Well, you I never had, had one, like a bachelorette party and get too rowdy. See, the thing is, I like that. I just Ugh. like kind of like girls partying. Yeah. Like I <laughs> I get excited by it, and I always try. I think instead of trying to squash it and, and silence them, I just try to be like inserting myself into the action because that actually ends up getting them to diffuse it. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but recently I was in Michigan and I'd only been on stage for like five minutes and um, a guy called me a whore 
And I hadn't even said anything that was super explicit. Like, yeah, really, I had not. I hadn't even really gone. I mean, I have jokes that are definitely like more racy. Sure. Um, you weren't talking about airplanes by any chance. No, I yeah. was not. <laughs> I mean, he just, yeah, he just yelled out whore. And it was really Jeez. annoying because the club kind of, a, they didn't really do anything about it. They didn't kick him out. And usually oh, you get yeah. kicked out for that. Like clubs are pretty good about regulating yeah. hecklers. Um, yeah. And then he had a wife who Oof. was like holding on to him. And I was just like, what's her deal? Yeah. That she isn't like, mortified by this person yikes yeah that's always the worst end of it is the person that they brought to or were brought by yeah to something by. like that and then yeah. you're like oh what's that relationship at least i get to walk away from this stage and never see you again but you guys go yeah, home this or somewhere yeah. Yeah. that was the real bummer but yeah that was probably the only time Fun. Yeah, it was oh, fun. It was fun, you guys. So <laughs> good times. Fun. Stand up. <laughs> um, the 27th letter wants to know, how do you feel about working on crashing and dramatizing your relationship? Oh, um, I love working on crashing. I, yeah, I, well, yeah. So a long time ago, very long time ago, Pete and I dated. And um, I think a lot of people think that, the show is like a reflection of that time, but it's very, very much not. Right. Uh, we've been friends for like way longer than we ever dated. Yeah. So yeah, like the relationship between Pete and Allie on the show is definitely like something that we've constructed, um, which I think is a good thing that we're like yeah. basically making up a story. And also it's cool because like the female character on the show is like really empowered and really strong mm -hmm. and like kind of takes Pete under her wing yeah, and sure. like shows him the ropes, which is just kind of something nice that we don't see on TV a lot. Yeah, it's and really I, refreshing. Yeah, I think so. Especially because stand up, at least when I started stand up, um, it, it felt really intimidating. It definitely felt like a boys club. Mm -hmm. And I loved the boys in that club. We sure. were all really close and they were the people that I started out with. So there was like a natural camaraderie there. But also at times you you did feel like different. You yeah. know, you just didn't feel like one of them. And is because I hear a lot about like mentoring in a certain sense and like, you know, getting a seat at the table and all that sort of thing. Did you have someone that you felt like really kind of brought you up? as you were going through the ranks or like someone that you idolized or someone that just sort of like maybe inadvertently helped pave a way? Yeah, I think I'm trying to think along the way, like I never had the story of like, and then this very famous person sure. took me under their wing. I didn't really have that, but I did have moments along the way. Like I met Janine Garofalo and I had a, a conversation with her that was like really inspiring um, Gary Goldman was always really kind. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just think, um, I, I like to go by the philosophy of lateral heroes. It's a new thing that I made up, Oh, but I'm really into like finding hero ship. I don't know if that's a word, finding hero ship in your friends that's and in your peers versus looking up for it. Not that there isn't value in looking up. Obviously it's like very, uh, helpful sure. uh, to, to like idolize and um, like mentorship is a thing for a reason. Right. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of value in just like looking at your peers and being like, you guys are really funny. Let's make stuff together. Yeah. And so I feel like that to me was the biggest benefit of, of um, like just sort of appreciating the people I started with and like we still do things together and work together and well that's yeah that's exciting a, the whole era I mean we just had Thomas Middleditch on and so it's like there's a whole era of like these kinships 
these groups of people that would be in Brooklyn or be in New York and they're all, you see where everyone's at now and it's really cool that like high tides raise all ships kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm a big advocate of surrounding yourself with people that you think are the greatest. Yeah, I think it's really special. And I think um, I think it's tough because I think a lot of times when you're starting out, especially in stand-up, like you are, you're fueled by so much like hope and insecurity and mm-hmm. kind of you're just like this bag of mixed emotions at all times. Yeah. And you want sort of the fast track of like, who am I going to, who am I going to meet? Who's going to like lift me up mm-hmm. above everybody? Like, how am I going to raise above everyone? Yeah. And then you realize like, oh, well, the people around you, you guys all will like rise together. Mm-hmm. And that's also really exciting um and also less difficult to totally to, to find less soul crushing yeah, exactly. uh, when it doesn't work out yeah uh have there been moments though where you fangirled over someone or had an interaction with some celebrity quote unquote that you're like oh god that might have been embarrassing oh yeah i'm sure that happened um <laughs> fangirled yes i'm trying to think or someone that you were just like so incredibly excited to meet. Well, I I got to work for Seinfeld for a little bit. I was a writer's assistant on his show, The Marriage Ref. Oh, wow. That was like my first job in comedy. And I just felt, yeah, I felt, I remember we wrote out of his office overlooking Central Park. Wow. And it was just like a really beautiful, spacious office with these like huge floor to ceiling windows. Jeez. The park was like right there. <laughs> wow. And it's just like this empty office with like a little bit of like, Porsche memorabilia. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, this is the major leagues. Wow. Like the fact that he has an office, like this real estate alone yeah. is just like this something house. to experience. Yeah. 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 And I, I rode the elevator with him one day and I was definitely like, whoa, like this, mm-hmm. like I am like, he's like legendary. Yeah. This is next level. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. Yeah. That felt, that was a real feeling of wow. that, of what you're talking about. And that's yeah. kind of, that's like, sounds like a joke. But I also imagine it's the absolute complete reality. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, I know, right? Jeez. Um, <laughs> Forest Child 99 wants to know, what's your go-to condiment? Ooh, fun Ooh. question. Yeah. Um, probably guacamole. Oh, Is that a condiment? Probably. I, think, I haven't heard it called that, but it should be for it sure. Should be. Yeah, I just feel like I put avocado on everything. What else would it be? A sauce? Like uh, a, a dip. dip. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. As yeah. a dip a condiment? That, I mean, now we're getting philosophical. Now, I yeah. mean, this is this is not too deep. No, right? we yeah. gotta, we can't, we can't deep dive into that. Dial it back, guys. Dial Seriously. It back. Um, okay, Zonky wants to know how many hot dogs can you stack on top of each other without them falling over? Hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, if they're if you had to if you had to like bet, like I if bet. they're cooked, mm. there's a chance that like maybe some of the like oil from the hot dog sort of seeping out could. Mm-hmm act as some kind of adhesive true so maybe they i'd say three three okay i think that's a very fair fair estimate and if they have that slice down the middle that some of them that is a cheat it's a cheat yeah. see i would have done like two and then put two on top perpendicular and then two on top perpendicular build a little house yeah build a little like lincoln hot, a little hot dog lincoln log oh. house. well this now became just like how to brains operate exercise yeah, <laughs> yeah really what they used has. to do in like my science class this is like, just crafts with food yeah exactly <laughs> um Joseph Kaki wants to know, how do you feel about the new skinny legend Walmart yodeling boy? 
Have you seen? There's a video oh, of a I little know, boy. I heard about that. the yodeling boy. It's a boy. It's just a video of a boy yodeling in Walmart, but he's dressed like a cartoon character, like cowboy. It, oh. It's confusing, but the internet loves Very it. Very strange. Oh. I don't understand. Well, it. here's my question. What's your relationship with the internet? Do you uh, do you go on? Do you use social media? Do you like using social media? Um, I do like using social media. I definitely, I used to be a big Twitter fan. Yeah. Although these days I don't really know what to do on Twitter as much because I used to use it to like write jokes. Right. Yeah. And, and now, now I, it's just, I don't know what to do. Angry, but I love angry politics. Yeah. yeah. Or I feel like if I write a joke, people are like, okay, but like the world's crumbling. You should be commenting on that. Yeah. That's a lot of, of comedians frustrations recently. It's just yeah. like what, what this used to be. I mean, it, to me, it started as a platform for joke writers to be like, here's my tiny 140 characters to tell a great one liner joke right now. And it's not that anymore. I know. And sometimes I have those I have those jokes and I hold back on posting them these days. Yeah. Um, but That's I love too bad, Instagram. Because we need more of that. Okay, maybe Twitter. I'll start up for you <laughs> yes, guys. Thank okay, you. Okay, I'll just like let them rip and Please. see what happens. Um, but do you, what's your go-to when you check social media? I mean, Instagram right now. That's really, yeah. I, I'm trying to not scroll all the time. Yeah. Just for, yeah. I, I heard there was a 60 minutes, I think it was a 60 minutes about, um, how apps are designed and that like the wheel, like when you pull down on the images and right. wait for it to refresh that wheel, that's like loading that actually doesn't need to be there. They put that there because it entices you to wait. To wait. So there's all no, of these like it's... little mind tricks that are being slowly like, they're they're being considered when creating the app Weird. and it feels a little like mind takeover in yeah. a really kind of eerie way you're being manipulated yeah so yeah. as the more i hear stuff like that i'm just like oh, i gotta like take a step back yeah but i love it it's i a, it's absolutely addictive. love it yeah because i can imagine being on a show like girl code it almost forces you to have to kind of have a social media presence because the audience is like a millennial audience and this is how they're consuming everything yeah well it's funny you bring that up because i actually had such a i had a really uh i had a, a bummer of an experience so right before instagram really took off mm -hmm. um i didn't have an instagram account okay and so someone put up a fake account pretending to be me, which is uh, actually illegal. Like you can do a fan account, but you can't say you are the person. Yeah, it's like catfishing. Yeah. So someone catfished me, um, but they had tons and tons of followers. Catfished as you. That just yes, happened to me. Yes, catfished as me. That just oh. happened to me. And well, I don't know what happened in your situation. Well, tell, tell, tell your okay. story. Well, I'll tell you because I'm curious what happened with you yeah. because at the time, the way they handled it, maybe it's still the same was that they shut down the account and I wasn't allowed to take it over. So I had to create a new account and rebuild from scratch. What? So I lost all of those followers. <gasps> so Wait, so you had an account. I, I didn't have an account. Okay. Someone created the account that I would have wanted, pretending, which was the Jamie Lee, same as my Twitter. So then I was like, can I just take over? Can you get can you yeah. get rid of that person, but give me this account? Yeah. Because I want those followers. They think it's me. Yeah. She was pulling... Oh, wait. I Okay. So halfway through me realizing that this account existed, I started Really Jamie Lee, which is why yeah. it's called Really Jamie Lee, because okay. I was like trying to like fight the Jamie Lee. Yeah. And so she would take photos off of my account <gasps> and post them on there. She, I, I, I don't know if it was a she. I'm assuming it's a she. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was just in the space where they were like, no, sorry, we're shutting down the Jamie Lee. No one can ever have the Jamie Lee. We're putting Lee. it in the garbage. We're putting it in the garbage. We're putting the followers in the garbage. 
and then you have to start from scratch. So I wow. have like 37,000 followers, but like if I had been building from the time when that account was, Jeez. I would have so many more. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And it's like a huge bummer. I've even thought about like buying followers because I was just like, I have what more happened? followers than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. But oh, that yeah. sucks though. So annoying. But that feels so that just doesn't feel like the correct way to do it. Even for like them as a platform that I they're just like, goodbye it. followers that we need to sustain. Our I thought platform. about reaching out to see if we can resurrect it. Like you it, probably could. I know I'm going to see, I'm going to, maybe I'll like try to, I'm of the firm belief that nothing ever gets deleted on the it's internet. Right. Ever. I, I don't think it does. Yeah. Yeah. That's maybe the, so wait, what happened with you? Well, two, it's a saga. I mean, two things. One was someone was pretending to be me on dating websites Ooh. using my name and photos. Oh, yeah, no. the and classic then, catfish. Story. That is yeah. classic. And then um, I, after that, I found when I was started talking about it on the internet, other people were like, "Oh yeah, this dude's been pretending to be you on Instagram too." I am on Instagram. I'm at Jack Fair on Instagram. And then they started sending me the DM. So what he did was, or she, they took my account and they created a new account called Jack Ferry Eleven. Yeah. And then started messaging and following everyone who was following me. And they would be like, and then he, they would, he would like DM or she would DM these, like my followers and be like, Hey, what's up? I had to start a new account because my old one, I got locked out of it. Like, how's it going? Like, what's going on with you? And it's clearly a person that English isn't Ugh. their first language. Yeah. So it's a little tricky. And so, but cause I already have an account. Um, I just reported it as they're pretending, clearly pretending to be me. Um, and Instagram deleted them. But mm. it's frustrating because it's like, um, I don't have, it makes it difficult because I'm not verified right now. So people can just say like, oh yeah, that's not a real account. I'm the real Jack Ferry. Yeah. And there's no way for me to, because I'm not verified on Twitter or Instagram. True it identity it, crisis. It just it makes is. it, it makes it yeah. tricky. And I just, it just creeps me out because it's not like they're like in classic sort of catfish, they just steal photos and then they change the name. Yeah. But it's weird to have someone saying like, I am Jack Ferry using my photos. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you don't know what they're saying to other people. Yeah. When I read these DMs, I'm like, this is really creepy. Like he's yeah. asking inappropriate things of these women who yeah. I'm not even following, who are following me. Yeah. Thankfully, it's, most of them are savvy enough to know that it was a fake. Bad news bears. Bad news bears. Yeah. Um, but did you, you never found out who was running that account no. before? Uh, this was, I mean, I think that now if it were Someone happening. Knows. Yeah. Someone yeah. at Instagram has that email they address. They do, right? Yeah. I'm going to try to get yeah. to the bottom of it. I think, what if I started a, a low, low Just stakes like, cereal oh. trying to find the person oh, who is trying to be me. Does it, <laughs> like give an eight episode podcast an eight episode series. Cold limited case. series, cold case. Uh, I love this. I'm on it, you guys. I Part would. one. Calling Instagram. Instagram. Part two, calling them again. <laughs> but I like the idea that like you start peeling this apart and it becomes this giant conspiracy that goes like uh, all the way to Washington. I, like, how deep does this go? God, I would love it. If anyone listening has any leads <laughs> on who is running. Episode or seven. Running. Who was running at the Jamie Lee. Yes. My new Instagram <laughs> at really Jamie Lee. Guys, please follow me. I mean, <laughs> I clearly am in desperate need. All I'm what? saying is that episode eight doesn't take us to like the catacombs. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm gonna be livid if you don't <laughs> right? go to the catacombs. Um, I need well, to be holding a skull. <laughs> it's the perfect time to say uh, to shout out your Instagram because we've reached the end of the podcast. Yeah, so promote. Yeah. Okay. What is your Instagram? Um, okay, I'll say it again. Yeah, it's at really Jamie Lee, and that's uh, Jamie J A M I E and Lee L E E. And then my Twitter is the Jamie Lee. 
And my book, Ridiculous, is available on Amazon. It's also available as an audiobook. And um, I also have an album out called <gasps> I Mean. Yay. And it's available on iTunes. That's awesome. Guys, go check her out if you haven't already. We also, I believe, have a, um, a gift. Everyone that comes on the podcast gets a custom fortune cookie. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. So fun. Do it, I open it now? Sure, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. You don't have to eat it. You don't have to eat it. It's been manipulated. Oh, my God. This is so exciting. Okay. What do we have? Here we go. Oh, never stop crashing. It's what makes the rest of us feel at home. Yay. (laughs) That's so cozy. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, thank you so much for being here and giving your time. We really appreciate me. Of course, go check her out if you haven't already. She's the sweetest, funniest lady. And uh, we'll see you next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Produced and directed by Jack Ferry. Producer Melissa D. Mons. With writing by Diane Kang. Audio support by Chris Henry. Editing by Melissa D. Mons. And an extra special thank you to Flula for the theme music. (laughs) 